0: Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we talk about scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Christian. Hey, Christian. Hey. Nice to have you here in the podcast studio. It's a lovely studio. (laughs) It is a lovely studio. So Christian and I are currently sitting in what we call the annex of the shop, which is like the weird garage space out behind the office, which is Mm -hmm. full of... Packing materials,
1: sound dampening materials, sound dampening,
0: exactly. Sound dampening <laughs> packing materials, chain motors, mm-hmm. and controls, all in road cases, and then uh, some random storage stuff. So, air conditioners, air conditioners, yeah. And we just took those out recently, mm-hmm. just before the first snow, right on time, <laughs> right on time. <laughs> So Christian, I thought it'd be fun to have you uh, sit down and talk a little bit about um, what you do, what you work on, all that good stuff. But let's start with what do you do here at Creative Connors?
1: Yeah, so the majority of what I do is I do the spike mark development. And then, uh, so I get to uh, uh, write and design and help come up with all the new features. Yeah. Fix the inevitable uh, bugs that- uh, There's bugs? (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> People would just use it the way I uh, wrote it, the way I intended. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have any problems. You're wouldn't have it any raw. problems. Yeah, <laughs> upside down. <laughs> uh, but then I also get to do some fun uh, R&D control side stuff as well. Yeah. So it's kind of a blend of a
0: lot of software, but then some electrical design work mm-hmm. too. And then you, you also dig into the firmware side of things, right? Yeah, so
1: it's not just Spike Mark. It's all, uh, a lot of it's our DG development. And yeah, and so the firmware and... Yeah. our internal tools and
0: right yeah because you work on a lot of the OTS stuff which is a different topic altogether but,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah you do a lot of the stuff that used to be very near and dear to me so this should be a fun conversation and how long have you been with us
1: uh, so it was two years in September right yeah. so yeah a
0: little better than two years a little though. better
1: than two years yeah awesome
0: and so that leads me to my next question I have before
1: here where'd you go to school so I went to the University of Delaware in mm-hmm. Delaware. Oh, <laughs> Unsurpri- <laughs> unimaginatively named. Uh Yeah. And what did you study there? So there I studied, uh, I got my bachelor's in electrical engineering. Okay. And, uh,
0: and it did, it seemed with all your software chops, you must have taken a fair <laughs> amount of programming too. There, or?
1: Were, there was a lot of programming involved there. And then, yeah, because that was definitely interesting and. Not that the electrical engineering stuff wasn't, but yeah, I did enjoy the, why I didn't go for like comp sci or something <laughs> instead. Uh. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, so I have my electrical engineering. And why Delaware? Because you're why not from Del- Delaware, right? No, I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, so when I was looking, well, we w- I went to Delaware all the time when I was a kid to oh, like okay. the beaches and everything. The beaches, and yeah. Yeah. And so. So kind of fun so, memories. Yeah, like yeah. And then, so it was between Delaware and Syracuse. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, And I just, I like Delaware better. Yeah, I think that's a good
0: choice. As a guy yeah. who went to school in Ithaca, New York, which mm-hmm. is not far from Syracuse, mm-hmm.
1: it is not great. They don't have any snow days in Syracuse because they have the sidewalks heated. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know that's trouble. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: that's cool. So you studied uh, electrical engineering at University of Delaware. You also did some travel, right?
1: Yeah. I also, while I was there, the way the semesters are set up, it's, there's a really, it's like a six week winter break and they do sessions then. And one of the cool things they do is they do like four or five week long study abroad's Oh, nice. And so I got to go to Costa Rica for four weeks. And the class I took there was called Sports, Recreation, and Leisure Activities. (laughs) That's fantastic. And I got four credits for it. Good for you. And yeah. Nice. And the class was literally go whitewater rafting for the day. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I'd like to take
0: that class now.
1: Yeah, I'll do it again. (laughs) 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 But then I also got to go to Australia. Oh, that's cool. For four weeks. That must be... That one was pretty great too. Yeah, yeah. It was like two hours in the morning, sat in a classroom, and then the rest of the day you were in Australia.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. So you're one of the few but growing people that don't have a degree in theater. Yes. But I don't think that you're a stranger to theater either,
1: right? I am not a stranger to it, but no degree, Yeah. yeah. So I started off like way back (laughs) way back being relative I guess but uh (laughs) uh in like middle school like in in the play in the musical whatever and then on stage on stage and then I was like not for me (laughs) (laughs) is there somewhere else I can stand gravitated towards the uh being backstage pressing the buttons which was way more exciting right and then so starting there and got it uh like so seventh grade Doing the lights and sound for the musicals, and then yeah, then in college I worked for the university doing all of the lights, sound, video. Anytime they had an event anywhere. Oh, nice! So, and you have uh, some pretty cool, I think, pretty
0: cool stories about like your integration, right? Because you like <laughs> you're yeah, a yeah. fan of.
1: QLab should control everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. My opinion has slightly changed now from working here. Maybe not automation, <laughs> not all the way, but right. So I was very f- fond of programming QLab to control all the lights, control all the sound, controlling projection, and yeah, uh, in the one theater that we worked in, they the projector didn't have the capability to communicate with Spike Mark, so I took it upon myself to fix that problem. You mean Q lab? Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or it probably didn't communicate well, with it, it either. It didn't. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh but so Yeah, so I, how did you fix that? So I uh took a little ESP eighty two sixty six microcontroller that has the Wi Fi built in. Another one of my it's things one of I like yeah. uh, and uh Program that to communicate so take in OSC packets over the Wi-Fi and then trans uh, Transform it into uh, serial RS 232 communications to control the projector. That's pretty cool And then similarly like the projection screen did the same thing with some relays and to close the contacts So it would. uh yeah Q lab press a button projector on screen down. Yeah lights off <laughs>
0: That's awesome. And that, I remember as like when you were coming here for an interview a couple of years back, that was one of the things that really stood out to me. I was like, that's, I love that. I love the fact that you you know, took it upon yourself to do, you found a solution in software and embedded hardware and some firmware to fix things, which Mm is like, oh, that's, that's what we do here. We do a lot of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And it's in a fantastic star wars tupperware container <laughs> for my enclosure nice taped onto the wall it's perfect <laughs> i hope you have pictures of that i i think i do That's yeah. awesome. yeah <laughs> that's great
0: all right well i thought that um to get into it i thought it would be good since you're so hands-on in the the software these days to kind of walk through a couple of the uh, big features because Honestly, like in the you know, leading up to the time that you got here, um, I was pretty much the only person working on Spike Mark. Steve mm-hmm. had, had occasionally dipped his toes into some Spike Mark work, and we'd had other people kind of uh occasionally bounce through it. Um, but we, one of the big reasons why you're here is that Spike Mark development was slowing to a crawl because I am mostly useless these days, and <laughs>
1: you're doing one <laughs> or two other things,
0: and so it's like we gotta like got to get back on track with some of these spark mark, spike mark features and it's been awesome and some we've had some huge features mm-hmm. released since you've been here um and i thought it'd be cool just to maybe introduce people to them if they haven't heard of them but primarily i thought for those that in the audience who know about them already and who are a little more technically inclined to kind of dig a little deeper under the covers about what these things are and how they work um and have you explain them a bit to yeah. us so the first one i want to talk about was uh group motion um
1: that was my first really big uh first big feature. It was, a,
0: yeah, it was a yeah, it's a huge feature cuz it has uh and jump in anytime mm-hmm. to dominate this, but the like the well to set the stage on this, right? This was developed when we were working on the 5th Ave Mama Mia lift mm-hmm. which required two 10 horsepower motors to lift a single lifting platform. And we were trying to find a way to group those two together. Right, so they wouldn't tear each other apart. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we were originally going to drive them off of a single 20-horsepower Mitsubishi drive and basically just two for the motors. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take long. We didn't even get to the point of testing it. Luckily, we, we were smart enough early enough on to think, like, this is not going to work. Like, that only works when those things are rigidly, um, mechanically rigidly linked. And so that works great on turntables and other machines where, like, you are there. There's a drive shaft between them. It does not work well at all when you have. <laughs> there are two independent chain loops on you know ten feet apart, and they they will definitely drift from one another. You will drive the thing up ten feet, and one will have driven up ten foot quarter inch, and the other one will have driven up nine foot nine and a quarter inch and you'll be three quarters inch out of true and there's not anything to do because they're both two for into one drive. You can't just level the platform by it is like that. (laughs) (laughs) It is like that. And so yeah and uh, we're like that's no bueno. We're going to have to have two. We're going to have to have dual motors, dual, dual drives and then the question came down to do we do dual motion controllers and link them in spike mark or do we do dual um, drives one motion controller, but then have the drives try to synchronize themselves. Because <laughs> Mitsubishi has this claim. They, they keep claiming.
1: They keep trying to sell it to us. <laughs> and they continue to, <laughs> to,
0: to, to to voice this myth upon the world that their drives can do it well. And uh, and we had a guy from Mitsubishi come to the shop and we so we had this moment where we're like, well, these are the two options. And rather than like pick one, our time was really limited. Let's pick them both and we'll have two teams and we will just work on both solutions and whichever
1: one works fastest and the best wins. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. And by the time, I don't remember what the time frame was, but it was like a week had gone by or something, but we Mm -hmm. got to the point that you had a functional prototype Mm -hmm. and the Mitsubishi drive team had a system that could only drive in one direction. (laughs) Perfect for a left. (laughs) And could not register a, Child fault back up to the parent. Right. And so, the, it, like, if the parent faulted, no problem. If the child faulted, the parent would just keep, keep drawing. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> this is terrifying. We're not doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so we ended up going with groups, but I'd love to hear your yeah, description I,
1: of it. And using everybody's favorite machine, the the curtain call. Is that I, what you were using? I for used testing? the two curtain calls to develop the groups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: Right, which is what they were or always been intended for. They are great height for sitting at your desk
1: <laughs> and spinning.
0: <laughs> which is actually a fun thing to point out that like the way our office is built and kind of the way we operate, mm-hmm. like if you're working on a thing and in the office at your <laughs> desk and you need to have some <laughs> machines there, you just grab a pallet jack or whatever and
1: drag it into the office. Drag <laughs> it into the
0: office and there's three phase power in the office. hmm. <laughs> and so we often have cable ramps running throughout the office, and there are <laughs> giant machines at people's desks. And mm-hmm. um, that's just kind of how we roll. Yeah. So, so groups. So, what's the, I guess maybe, so first of all, what's the premise of groups?
1: So, overall, the idea is that a group is an air catching scheme. So, if one of them faults, they'll all stop. Ver- Let's say a synchronization scheme. So, right. they're not tightly coupled to each other's uh encoders or whatever right because roughly like each each one each motor
0: in the group still has its own independent motion control
1: right right, and it's doing its own motion profile and its own PID PID loops and
0: yeah so all we can see is like is the is that one working the way you programmed it to or not right
1: and so then groups takes the normal behavior of spike mark and kind of amplifies it. So it's now paying it instead. So spike mark just pays attention to its each individual motor pays yep. attention to itself. And then the group introduces a uh, a new concept called the switchboard, which is kind of the key component to groups. And, and when you say component,
0: this is a, a class inside spike. Yeah. Software. So yeah. software, it's yep. nothing that, uh, yeah. you, <laughs> you could open up spike mark <laughs> and see a switchboard in there, but
1: right. So it's, it's a class uh, called switchboard. Right. And, uh, It's in charge of aggregating all of the stagehands' statuses that are in the group and then monitoring that and sending back whether the group is okay. So it starts up a special, a secondary connection to each of the stagehands, and the only thing that they communicate over those lines are the status of the individual motor and then whether the group is okay or the group is faulted.
0: And so each motor... Is sending out. This is my status. This is my status. Yeah, so it and monitors sw- for sw- its uh, limits. It's drive fault, brick fall. Any of the, any reason why it could have stopped. Right. Okay, and then and then so switchboard is reading those from the stage hand and it's sending back an aggregate message that says, Yeah, everybody is okay. Everyone has reported they're okay, or every, somebody has reported they're not okay.
1: Right, because the switchboard is aware of who is supposed to be working together. Yeah, and so it knows too. So we can aggregate those and send them to the proper, proper stagehands.
0: And so when we start a group movement Mm -hmm. and the switchboard is started up, you said it it adds a new connection or opens a new connection. What is that? What's the difference there? Right.
1: So uh, the regular connection to a stagehand is a TCP/IP standard connection, and then uh, which is great because it guarantees that when you send a message, it's going to get the message and it's going to get everything in the right order. Yeah. But it has the drawback of being slower. Right. There's an overhead. There's Is overhead. It, and for,
0: for that guarantee, it requires right. more work.
1: Yeah. And to make sure that they arrive in the right order and all of that. Yeah. And so we wanted to make this connection as fast as possible so right. we can stop things as fast as possible. If something happens, right, and so what we ended up using is a UDP connection, and so it just sends back and forth.
0: Yeah, uh, which is much faster, and it's a it's a packet based format rather than a, a, right. a streaming, streaming format.
1: So it sends it, and then there's no guarantee it gets it, but you can send them fast enough that yeah, it's gonna get
0: right. And then and then I presume that if if the connection were to die, then.
1: Right. So the other thing the switchboard does is it monitors to make sure. So there are a couple timeout values in spike mark that you can change a fast timeout and a slow timeout. And these dictate how long, uh, all the state chains in the group can go without communicating back to the switchboard before something, before it's considered to have uh, lost, lost connection. connection. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they're pretty fast. So,
0: yeah. And then the, and then, then that's a spike mark side. But then, on the other end of the Ethernet cable will be the stage hand. I imagine it has a similar,
1: shut-off. right. It right. is also monitoring to make sure it gets uh, a, a group, a okay. group okay right. within an allotted amount of time. And if it doesn't, it also will stop. And then the other thing that is special with a group is if it detects something's wrong, it like, uh, for instance, position. Uh, position fault fault yeah it will stop itself which isn't the case with regularly regularly it's spike mark that tells the the motion controller to stop right or rather
0: yeah right cuz on a f- on a position fault it the motion controller would stop motion but not kill right, the pid kill the loop. loop right yeah. right
1: and so it actually Sends itself the kill message and stops
0: everything. And engages break. Right. 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 Yeah. Because that is the big, di- there is a big difference there. Right. Because otherwise, like you said, on a normal motion, basically it would stop moving on the position fault, but then right, right, waits right. to be told to, to turn engage to the brakes and
1: stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's always on for a group. Yeah. Regardless of the that checkbox.
0: Right. You can't turn a board on position error off if your group. If you're moving in a group, right?
1: Because it it is watching it right there, yeah. And
0: then, um, so those that switchboard object that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. this is the thing that's you know it's kind of uh, coalescing all of the information from the various motors that are commanded to be part of the group. Yep. Um, when does how is this a, does this exist like from the time you open the show file to the time you close the show file? <laughs> right. Or? Right. That's
1: uh. So the what happens is every time you load group motion, so whether that's through a queue, through that's the move to position feature, or a jog, because group jogging works differently than regular oh jogging. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a pin in the to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh but so anytime you try and do group motion, this a new switchboard is created for each individual group. So if you had ten groups, each group gets its own switchboard and that's created every time you Load uh, a load or initiate some kind of group motion, yeah, and then it sticks around, so that's when those two timeout values that are in spike mark take effect so there's the there's a slow, slow timeout, timeout. Yeah. which so that's the amount of time while a queue is loaded that the system can go without hearing an okay message back and forth,
0: and that's really because it's there when we're loading a queue, there's a bunch of.
1: Some overhead.
0: Yeah, because we have all these opcodes that have to get sent down to the drive or sent down to the motion controller. Loading the
1: trajectory and the new position air and the filter for the PID loop and everything. Right. Which which may or
0: may not all have to be loaded depending on the state of... Right. If
1: you're changing things If you're changing things, yep. yep.
0: Yeah, and so just pause on that for a second Mm -hmm. to dig in for anyone who's not familiar. Like the way that the spike mark... System basically works is that each um, and I had this conversation on the show floor at LDI with somebody who was <laughs> a longtime friend and a little a little astonished to hear what we do, but the because <laughs> he's like, so "What do you guys use like can bus or something?"
1: And we try.
0: <laughs> and I was like, "No, it's weirder than that." And, it's, <laughs> and I got through explaining. He's like, "It's like Gareth Bus." I'm like, "Well, it's I would call it Stagehand Bus now, but it's not really mine anymore, but it's." But what we do is we open up a TCP connection and we have a series of what we what would anyone would call opcodes, which is just like a, a numerical code that says what is the action we want you to perform. Right. And then somewhere between one to a bunch of different parameters. I think our most is five or
1: six. Okay. That's our biggest one.
0: And that we send down with that opcode and it and various
1: and numbers or whatever too
0: right so like if we if we're just asking for what's your position it would just be like 14 comma one and right say 14 comma one is report your position and then um versus like load trajectory which could have a bunch of stuff right we'll it will have a bunch of stuff we'll so right. have the
1: the, the speed, salvation speed yep
0: target position <clears throat> and that's probably it I think access for that one. number access number yeah there's always
1: access number so four there yeah yeah
0: yeah an access number so there's always opcode comma access number and the access number is a vestigial leftover wow. well it's maybe coming back it's, it's gonna, maybe coming back it's gonna be the year of access number uh-huh. um, 2020 but way back when uh in the early 2000s i wasn't sure if each staging was going to control one motor or multiple motors um because i my life up until that point had always been working with like four or eight axis or 16 axis motion Mm. controllers. And so I thought we would need an axis address um, as well. And then didn't take too long. Well, by that, I mean like a year before before I was like, no, it's just going to be one microcontroller per motion controller. And so it'll always be just one axis on there. Um, But we always have to send it because it's built in now built in. It it is. uh, You don't send it. It, it, it will it, go wrong. <laughs> things will not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we do, so anyway, uh, so when we're loading a queue, if you have changed a filter or you changed a position error value uh, or if you, well, I guess in groups you wouldn't be able to turn off a bottom position error, but normally if you have turned off. You could off, try, but yeah, it's going to ignore it. But we will detect that you've changed it since the last time, and when you load, we will have to Send those new values, all that yeah. stuff down. Um, as well, but if you haven't changed it, then we just send the new trajectory
1: down. Right, so we're never exactly sure how many things have to be sent. So,
0: so you got to have some wiggle room in there. Of like, well, it might be a second or more before we hear back that everything's done. Right,
1: and to allow that, we have the slow timeout. So, so we don't get a group fault while we're or just, waiting just trying for a load. to load a queue. Right, because okay. we ran into that when testing. we first started. Yeah, doing the testing. Yeah. And then fast timeout kicks in. As soon as the go command is sent. So at that point, there's no more extra overhead. Yeah. Or uh, opcodes to be sent. So it can be much faster. Yeah. Which is good. Because we want to be
0: as fast as possible. As fast as
1: possible, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because we want to be able to to know that uh, if somebody has fallen off the network to stop the whole group.
1: Right. Hmm
0: okay any other interesting classes or implementation details on groups so the only other
1: uh, let's call it a quirk uh is so the switchboard doesn't stay around forever um
0: oh yeah because you said it so it's only there for the one motion
1: right so and every time you start motion a new one's created but we don't want to leave them all hanging around there because then who's in control so (laughs) right (laughs) Though, An old
0: switchboard stopping stopping motion because right. it had not gotten the like, right. okay, yeah,
1: from you know three days ago because you <laughs> haven't restarted Spike Mark. <laughs> yeah, so to so the switchboard goes away when the motion is complete. Um, right then, as soon as it's complete, we initially started right then, but then turns out q links um, like a completion link, like a completion link don't quite work out then because a switchboard is dying and a new one's trying to be created and you're trying to talk to the same things and you run into some some issues so there's the concept of a scheduling a scheduling the uh, termination of the switchboard which again is another one of those options in the group in spike mark and so I uh, by default we have it set at one and a half seconds so if you try and run a, comu- a completion link, that's going to happen perceivably instantaneously, which is much faster than one and a half seconds. So, right. so, it,
0: the, so that switchboard will then just be reused at that point. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. right, because there's no need, or there's no reason that uh, you can't couldn't reuse the switchboards, it's just a lot of overhead to keep around when uh, they're not doing anything. So, right, just get rid of them when we're done with them. Yep, works the best. Yeah, short-lived objects tend to cause fewer Less issues. Less problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's more than zombies kicking around in RAM. Right. Yeah. And then
1: you touched on it, but jogging. Yes, jogging is... A group jog is very different than a... Uh, than a single-axis jog. Right, because single-axis jog, we just send a PW... PWM signal right um, to the drive, like we would if it was the motion controller sending it. We right. just hijack the signal and send it ourselves. Right. But.
0: So, like 50%, of this 50% duty cycle. Right, right. And right. we don't really know how fast that is. It's just
1: half. Right. Half yeah. of whatever you have your drive yeah. settings to. Right.
0: Um, Not okay if you're going to group jog, though.
1: Right. Because then you have no concept of a uh, position fault or right how fast is something going which you know, turns into be a problem when you're trying to keep things from uh, keep things level and, and, yeah. Trim and yeah so uh, what we actually do is we take advantage of the, the motion controller has the, this property called a, a velocity move which is uh, run at a constant velocity and what it's internally doing is it's just continuing to increase the target position so it's never achieving its target position. Right. But it still has a... It's uh, like
0: dogs chasing a rabbit around a track
1: or something. Yeah, yeah. But it has the benefit of still having a target position. So it can do the... Uh, uh, <laughs> so it can still do the position error and uh, make sure it's on track. Gotcha. And still takes advantage of the PID loop. Gotcha. But so that's very different than
0: yeah it's very different than just sending it a a raw signal right yeah 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 um which is why like you find that so i think uh, something that often uh flummox or stomachs stomachs not that i meant (laughs) flummoxes (laughs) or stumps that's what i was trying Mm. to say um people when they're First, experimenting with groups is a they we get an email that says like I got this weird icon and it looks like two chain motors and a and a yield symbol or a caution symbol yes and that is a group fault
1: yes and what 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 does that mean so that means one of the motors one of the axes one of the stage hands has detected it has a problem and stopped itself and then that the switchboard has sent the group not okay signal and so they all stop.
0: Yep, or it could be that one of them didn't respond. Right, I'm okay. Right, because right. that's a, that a tends big, to be the biggest, biggest one thing, is right?
1: the timeout. You right. run into the it just yeah. didn't respond fast enough.
0: Right, because that's the once you start a group motion, everybody's going to start chirping at once. Like I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, right. okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, okay, okay. And then the switchboard is sending back out groups okay, groups okay, groups okay, groups okay, groups okay. And anyone that does if it doesn't hear back and I'm okay from the round robin of of the um, axes, then it sends out a group not okay. Right. And if a motor doesn't get a group's okay sing- signal in enough time, it's just gonna shut down and then respond with, I stopped because there was a group fault. Is that yeah. accurate? Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, and then so, so it any propagates of those, to all of them and
0: Right. <laughs> and so any of those any of those circumstances could result in what looks like the same thing to the user, right? Like it right. could have literally stopped because it had a problem. It mm-hmm. could have stopped because it didn't hear that there was no problem. Right. Or Spike Mark could have stopped everybody because it didn't hear that a specific motor right. had no problems. Right. Because everyone has to have no problems or everyone's
1: got all problems. Right. And to bring a little clarity to Try to bring a little clarity to that yeah there is the each one does have a group status which is over in the uh properties pane in the list of them gotcha where you can sometimes uh
0: so you would catch narrow the it the down individual motor like so you're saying if you highlight a group mm-hmm. you'll see in it its property pane mm-hmm. each axis is listed in a window and yep. it'll say That it has a group okay or group not okay.
1: Is that? Yeah. There's a couple more too, but most of the time you'll see group okay meaning it was told to stop, or you'll see um, there's a timeout one, and then there's also a position fault one. And do those show up as text or the icon? Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay. So that's a good uh, a good troubleshooting tip then, Mm -hmm. just to like highlight the group. It can can help narrow it down to see
1: Ah, what is actually getting what is actually s- causing the issue, yeah. Yeah, nice.
0: Anything else that you wanted to mention about groups before we move on?
1: Mm, that, that's pretty much uh, that's groups pretty in good. a nutshell, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's pretty good. So then the next two, are, I feel, are kind of interrelated. So PSN or Posi StageNet and mm-hmm. OSC. Posi StageNet, we did first. Yes. And that was a direct
1: customer request. Right, for... uh
0: Seven digits
1: or seven years, and uh, they were working with um, VYV, who were the creators of Posy StageNet. Yeah, um, doing some crazy projection mapping stuff on a giant cube. Yeah, yeah, with uh, on a turntable. Yeah, or well, a, just a center just, rotate, just a pivot. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, Which Harry designed this mm. giant pivot, which actually is going to be the next episode. We're get <laughs> Harry to talk about that, <laughs> the mechanical design on that thing. But
1: yeah, but so they wanted to get the uh, rotational information out of it, so they could do their crazy projection mapping. And we're like, hey, we've got watch out, and they're like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How about <laughs> this? How about Bosley's data? Net? And uh, so we, uh, so we agreed to we do agreed it. We agreed were to like,
0: do it. Yep, we will totally do that so what i guess let's start with i mean both of these both watch out and posi stage net um are basically the the purpose of them is to stream out the information about the position of one or more motors right um
1: over the network and how do they
0: so do they do that both over what?
1: Um, well all three of them too but they use uh, udp connections okay and uh, which we were just mentioning before which we before. were just talking about yeah. before very fast yep um which is great when you're trying to sync up uh, video video yeah. right <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like <laughs> i don't care if i
0: dropped a frame i just need to get the message the next message out as quick as possible right
1: and uh, so they're they both use a udp connection but the big difference is uh watch out is just sending strings versus the Posi stage net and, and OSC um, are actually sending out a binary representation of a chunk
0: of data. Gotcha, which like to the uninitiated, the, the big difference there, right, is that it's, I mean, I, I think that the, the most practical reason to do that is the, the size of the packet, right? Like it's gonna, because right. for each, if you're trying to represent a number, like the you, if you represent the number one as an ASCII string, it is always gonna be, Eight bit, it's going to be a byte, right? Right, eight bits, but you could also represent that as one bit, right? <laughs> and so it's 1 one eighth the size in transmission, and so if you're you can go faster, faster <laughs> you can send more eight of these in the same amount of time mm-hmm. as you could send one of the others,
1: right? And so, VYV uh, developed this as their control for their products, yeah. And then Grandemay got involved and open sourced it. Well, I don't know that it's open source, but they opened up the standard so anybody could use it. So they wanted it to be, you know, fast. Fast, yeah. And uh, so... So is a, it well documented? It is pretty well documented. They gotcha. actually have uh, good documentation on their website. And so you had
0: to kind of read the documentation, figure out what that binary right, right structure
1: there's, is. Right, because there's a lot of information you can pack into a uh, PSN packet. Um, we... You don't do most, most of it, it yeah, because we only ever do single axes, so it's only ever one number we're setting. But there's like six or seven, um, x, y, z uh, chunks of information that you send in this one packet. Gotcha. And we only ever do like an x in the
0: you know, and a translation, or right? A rotation right, or, or a rotation. Way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, so it was. Going through that documentation and figuring out how to uh, how we can uh, pack those packets together in Spike Mark. Yeah. In the right order because uh, I don't remember which endianness it was, but it was the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) And what is endianness? Endianness is the order that which a number is represented in binary. So if
0: so whether or not the the most significant bit is first, the first or the, the least, last,
1: right, yeah. right, and drastically changes the number if you have it wrong. <laughs> if you have it
0: wrong if you're reading if you if you're reading interpreting something as as big Indian it's actually little Indian yeah. it comes up it
1: comes up, yeah. Um, but so it was just getting all that and so we had a bunch of stuff for watch out already so I was able to in, in terms of like, mark, like collecting the. Listening to the motor, right, position, like the mechanisms and, for yeah. how to get the information from a motor and send it out over this UDP connection. Right. We had a bunch of those. Well, we had all of those mechanisms already. And so it was, but able, it was kind of definite purpose built. Just yes. For so it was watching. very, yeah, this is the only thing that it was doing. Yeah. So I was able to abstract that out into some, uh, other classes to, so, we always knew we were going to do OSC, but right. it was always backburnered, and right. I wanted to do OSC. Why did you want to do OSC? Again, there's this little program <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because you have big dreams someday about q labs. someday. Yeah, someday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to do OSC. So I wanted to make it. I wanted to be able to do it quickly and easily, and so I was able. So in the process of adding in. POSI StageNet, I was able to abstract that watch out stuff into um, base classes and abstract classes that made it easy to add in. Uh, swap in different right. implementations. Right. Because they're all basically doing the same thing. it's really just comes down to how do you format the data? How do you format the data? Yeah. Right. Yep. And so watch out was strings. POSI StageNet was. Binary one, in this weird packet. Right. Yeah. And OSC simro- similarly is a binary binary packet but different packet structure in a different endianness yeah
0: yeah Yeah. and (laughs) flips endianness of course yeah sure yeah cool and then what how did you test it like like so you do this work and you you know Mm. and you're you're abstracting classes out and making this new implementation And I'm sure you're writing unit tests all along to test the code. But then at some point, you got to kind of put the... Bring it to the real world. Bring it to the real world, yeah. So how do you... Because we don't have anything that really reads
1: Posi StageNet. Right. So um, the first thing I tried, and I was never able to get to work. And I'm pretty sure that was just uh, my lack of understanding of it, was uh, the GrandMA, you can download their console software for your PC. And I was just never able to... Get that to work. Get that, get that to work. And I'm pretty sure that just came down to not understanding how <laughs> that <sure>. works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little complex. <laughs> it is not. Yeah. Um, But the great thing that uh, they've done is on the website with all the documentation, yeah. they also have some sample programs so you can test against. So they have a receiver and they have a sender. So if you're building a receiver, you have a known working, perfectly working right. input source. Right. And simil- similarly, they have a, a known working in the exact perfect way receiver, so you can test against that.
0: Gotcha. And so that's what you would use to test with. Yes. And you'd set that up on physically different computers or?
1: On physically different computers, yeah. on the same computer. Yeah. Um, you set it up over like loopback. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Okay. And uh, because we were developing it for VYV and seven digits, seven digits. And they were working with, uh, VYV. They actually tested it out, you know, for their show. So, right. The people who developed it actually were able to use our implementation of it, which,
0: yeah. And they were able to, if I'm not mistaken, right. Didn't you have some communication with VYV directly
1: to get them to, yeah. 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 Initially to test, um, just well, and even some just little help and guidance. And like when I was first getting started with it, they gotcha. were they were pretty helpful. Yeah.
0: But then eventually, once you got something that you thought was working and I was able to it. send
1: it to them and they were able to test it with their physical yeah. pieces of equipment. And
0: right. Because one of the cool things, I think, about Spikemark is that you can't, they could just download it for free, run it right. in simulator, but all of the Posi StageNet stuff still works in simulator. Right. Because it's just sending out the, the simulated the encoder simulated, feedback. Right, right. Yeah. That's cool. And then eventually Harry then took it to Montreal to do the installation before it went wherever it ended up going. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so then, so that was like a good preamble for your
1: OSC work then, right? Right. And then I don't remember if there was a specific reason we implemented OSC. I think it was just because we wanted to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone had asked for it. Uh, <laughs> I mean
1: not, not not that nobody had asked
0: for it. It was not like the PSN was like we have Ford, a job. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is gonna have to ship to yeah, on this show. Mm-hmm. OSC, it was just like, nah, we've been saying for years we were gonna do it.
1: And I had made it so easy it and was you made it so easy. It was uh but so yeah, and then OSC, mm-hmm. um similarly as the open sound control is documented on the uh on the internet and was uh because I had done all that work abstracting the watch out when I was implementing the right. stage net it was really easy to add in this third uh, show control
0: protocol. protocol yeah and then similarly i mean when we come up with the next one mm-hmm. that should it be will also be, be pretty easy yeah yeah that's cool and then osc you tested it Initially with QLab. So I tested it
1: with QLab, Isadora, Isadora and uh, ETC's EOS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then you even demoed QLab and EOS. I did. I did that at USITT. With your skateboard.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the New World Ring Symposium. Mm -hmm. And then I did a little uh, USITT Southeast Regional demo with it uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. It it works well. We have a couple of like um, improvements that would be better for another podcast, but we're looking at making a couple of tweaks to it to make it uh, mm-hmm. just to have it be able to do more complicated things. But mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then also similarly with uh, PSN, there's some tweaks. So because like I said, there's so much information you can pack into there, yeah. but we use so little of it. Right. Um, right now, we still send it all, but. There's uh, room in the protocol where you can, some of those are optional that you don't have to send. Oh,
0: okay. So. Would you potentially speed it up, I suppose.
1: Right, and then, I don't know who, but somebody complained that we were sending too much of the. <laughs> <laughs> of like, the packet. Yeah, too much of the packet. They didn't want all that information. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, well, we'll give you back all your money.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> For every unused bit. Uh-huh, yeah. Cool. Do you have any other stuff on the show control front on the on those things? That's no, it's
1: uh, kind of okay. Cool. OSC is great.
0: <laughs> OSC is great. It's it's pretty powerful. Like because the we use it in a I guess we should pause there for a second because we use it in two different ways. So PSN,
1: oh, watch true, out,
0: yeah. and OSC streaming are all used you, typically for projection mapping, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're streaming out the encoder
1: position. But mm-hmm. then the OSC, we have a separate. A second way that you can use OSC output right similar to the UDP messenger where you can just send in the queue grid send UDP messages yep you um, can you send can an OSC the, you can send an OSC message which means you can do some uh some pretty, some pretty cool, cool stuff triggering yeah right so like when um, when it yeah. gets to a specific position play a sound the, cue right or turn the lights off or whatever right and
0: so if anyone's uh, unfamiliar with what that looks like, there's a an OSC stagehand type that you can add into the show file, and it will appear like a column, just like mm-hmm. you said in the queue grid. And then you can add in motions, quote unquote, right <laughs> for the for it in the queue. But what that really is is just say like when this queue is run, send this OSC message. And we have you built in libraries,
1: right? And so and they're expandable and. So a bunch of QLab commands, not all of them, because there's a lot. And similarly, a bunch of uh, ETC's EOS commands already right there and easy to fill out. And you just have to click a button and you right. can be controlling the, your lights and sound pretty right. quickly. Pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. because Then it's just like a point and click exercise to pick out which command you want to send. Or right. you can ad hoc format right. your own and command. And you don't right even
1: now. have to use those commands. You can type in literally any OSC command. Command.
0: Uh, so if you have some other some other product that you're using that you'd like to be able to use its OSC library right. just type it in. Just
1: type in the command.
0: And then it's actually not, not that crazy difficult to add your own library I think too, right? Can't you just drop an XML file
1: and mm-hmm. It's even documented. What? I know. Wow. And Zepp even looked it over so it's like really it, somebody can actually follow it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's in the the often dreamt of seldom seen spike mark 4 manual mm-hmm. uh, nice nice that should be out by the time we get spike mark V shipping
1: <laughs> that's the goal right just always one behind <laughs> exactly <laughs> gotta leave a little something <laughs> for the next guy um,
0: <laughs> all right so um the pendant
1: yes the pendant
0: is a, a super cool device and so the pendant for anyone who hasn't seen it looks like a wii u mm-hmm. um, or a nintendo switch or nintendo switch um <clears throat> and uh it's got a touch a touch screen in the center of it color touch green and then it has a jog wheel and a joystick paddle and an enable button and an e-stop Stop. button uh, and then it has two cables it has a cable that uh, plugs into the showstopper 3 accessory uh, port on your showstopper 3 base and an ethernet cable and so it allows you
1: to walk out onto the stage and control everything
0: yeah it's pretty dope like you can it shows you all of the motors in your system and, as well as groups mm-hmm. um,
1: allows you to individually move the grouped motors so you, you can, can retrim a
0: group limits. for instance
1: yep and then also change settings for your motors so like I Min mean, and max jogs, percents, max speeds. Yeah, you can run to spikes. You can you can edit spikes. You can edit spikes. Right. So
0: if you've got a bunch of spikes pre-programmed, like from your paper tech process, mm-hmm. you can grab the pendant and walk it on stage, and then update them all. So update they're actually all. right. Yeah. yeah. And so as you're like standing right there with your face near the wagon, not too near. Don't be dangerous. <laughs> but jog the thing to the real position, and then hit update spike, and it will. It will record the physical position of the machine as that spike name.
1: Right. Right then. Which is really cool. Right. And uh, another really big thing that I, I don't know that anybody well, that people are super aware of is you can activate and deactivate motors now right from the pendant. Right. Which is pretty great for
0: groups. Very good for groups. But. Yeah.
1: You can now also do that right from the pendant. which That's super
0: cool. And how do you do that?
1: You, <laughs> <I don't. laughs> you poke it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. uh, press and hold. Press double and tap. hold. I think. Oh, yeah. Might
0: be double. Tap. I think it's double tap. Double tap.
1: We were gonna do. And you get a an press and hold,
0: but and you get a context menu
1: that pops up. Or no, it just goes straight to deactivate. It changes colors. Like it's very noticeable when you do it. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's not tap. like yeah. double
0: tap, and that will deactivate, and then double tap to reactivate. Yep. Yeah. Poke at it a bit. You'll figure it out. There'll be a manual. No, they're actually for the is pendant. A manual there again. actually is a manual. Yeah, there Maybe. actually is a manual. It would be at cci.fyi slash pendant. Yes. Anyone who's also not familiar, the cci.fyi is our um, like our bit.ly
1: mm-hmm. um, link shortener.
0: Yeah, our link shortener. And we end up stuffing like a lot of the documentation links in there. So, so I want to roll the clock back though on the pendant because mm-hmm. um, it's a super cool device and it's it evolved quite a bit since its introduction but i think it goes back at least a year and a half
1: mm, yeah i think so
0: yeah um and there was a it's hard to remember a time but there was a time <laughs> that there was no pendant it was just just, the was just an idea <laughs> yeah there was just the consulate and we had this idea that we wanted to have a pendant mm-hmm. and we kind of knew well that kind of i mean we really knew what we wanted it to do because there had been requests for years of like we, we people wanted a pendant but everyone knew, talked about it like something that plugged into a stage hand and I always kind of bristled at that idea like I don't want to have a device where you have to go over and manually plug it into each stage hand that you might want to control
1: right because those are never close they are not necessarily
0: close and yeah what a pain in the ass and then also like what about all the stage hands that exist in the world today that don't have that port on them like, right how does that work you know um what you so, need
1: to do, open it up <laughs> <laughs> exactly, There's a big gray box in there. <laughs> Here's the soldering kit.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and so it also felt kind of silly because you're like, look, it's it, this whole thing's a network based system. Right. Like we just infrastructure is already there. Yeah, like we just need to put a networkable pendant on the system. But there was a question about how do we do it because the consulate is based around an embed, um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's a little ARM processor in there, Cortex M3, um, and we wrote a bunch of custom firmware for it, including all the UI. All the UI.
1: (laughs) All four lines
0: of the character (laughs) OLED display. Right,
1: but that's not trivial on (laughs) C++. C++. That's uh, actually a fair amount of work. (laughs) That's thousands of lines just to get that to work nicely. (laughs) But do you see, as you scroll the wheel,
0: the asterisk moves up and down. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, or the braces move left to right. so, but there was some serious consideration for like, well, do we do this as like a fully the same idea? Like, we so the consulate has its own network protocol, mm-hmm. it's all ground up firmware based. Um, but then we we had some you, me, and Steve sat around one night talking about like, well, we could do that, or the other big option is we could do it as more of a web based idea or not literally on the internet, but like using web technology, mm-hmm. host a web server inside Spikepark and, and then, then
1: serve up everything
0: to, a, to just kind of a dumb terminal, right. roughly. right? Right? Mm-hmm. Like the dependent, it just needs to be something that has a web view that can render HTML yep. in a fairly modern way. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then we're like, then we can just kind of
1: stuff anything in there. Right, right? and then it can be dependent one day and then we can change up the UI pretty easily and now it's doing something else right Mm -hmm.
0: and then as we're the other one of the other considerations was as we're developing it we don't have to get the entire hardware platform put together
1: right we can can yeah do it kind of simultaneously where it's like we know it's going to have a web viewer but what are the actual inputs and everything we can both those can happen at the same time
0: so right because then you're just you can do all your testing with a another computer, a phone, a tablet, like it doesn't matter, just needs mm-hmm. a web browser.
1: Yeah, I pulled it up on my phone and was uh originally and we were controlling it through there, yeah. Yeah. So
0: So how does that work, Christian? So what are the lower level technologies so, in there? So you've got so the
1: so we're hosting a web server in, there. in SpikeMark. We are hosting uh using the uh Nancy library. Okay, hosting a web server, which its job. So,
0: and Nancy is a it it was was kind of inspired by the um the Ruby uh, server called uh, Sinatra because it was like Nancy I believe was Frank Sinatra's <sighs> wife and but there was back back in the, the <laughs> LCN days of like uh-huh. the mid teens of uh our early teens like like 2007 8 9 10 like when ruby was like taking over the world for mm-hmm. a brief moment uh, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody wanted to make a ruby inspired thing but mm-hmm. but nancy is a very uh, it's a very simplified yes flexible application server yes
1: and yes. a lot of expandability and flexibility with it so yes it's, it's pretty great for um but C sharp based, but C sharp based. Yeah. Also, what we look for. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not Ruby. <laughs> and small, compact, and embeddable. Embeddable. That was the big key because uh, during the initial development, uh, you had suggested Nancy, and I was like, "Great, I'm going to use this other thing instead." <laughs> and, what was the other thing? Uh, was Microsoft's Signal IR? Signal IR, which had the benefit of also being able to do uh, web sockets, which we'll Uh, come back to in a moment, Uh, but was able to do that all integrated into one. It, however, did not like being turned on and off. (laughs) (laughs) Which is important for us. Right. So did a bunch of development and ended up back with uh, Nancy. Nancy. And so Nancy is responsible for doing pretty much just rendering that first page when you well like a second page
0: yeah kind of the main screen the main screen of the pendant of the pendant where you see like the access list yeah
1: yeah so and then we also use a so regular html and web traffic is one way it's client requested yeah and which is great but doesn't really work when you're trying to update the page right say position data that changes
0: <laughs> right because the client's not going to submit a web request for like refresh page refresh page
1: or right. Ref- right right we want to push those updates yeah. so there's this great technology web sockets what? yeah <laughs> which allows the uh allows the server to send information right directly back to the client without a request from without the client. a request yeah. and so we use nancy for our regular standard traffic which is that first page and then um, we have another library websocket sharp <laughs> yeah which is handles creating the websocket server for us okay and then we have dozens of endpoints for that which uh, take care of all of the um, like all the position change, yeah. connection status change, limit status change, motor state change. So it's changed.
0: listening for the, it's like an observer inside. There's in some in Spike absor- Spikemark yep. and then pushing the, once it gets a notification inside Spike Mark, it pushes that over the WebSocket. Yep. Yeah. And
1: then, uh, but then also doing things like the button was pressed, the enable button was pressed. Gotcha. So actually, it turns out there is two separate clients connecting to the to spike mark there is the web view okay that you see and then there's also the joystick and the button and the jog wheel all the physical interface. all the physical interface buttons yeah also are their own separate connection to. okay um
0: so any of those hardware interactions have a separate connection and what are those hardware connections connected to inside the pendant
1: they're connected to a raspberry pi Ah. with uh very stripped down version of Linux, yep, and uh, some custom, well, some custom firmware to make the do all the connection and the uh, and that's Python, or that is Python, yep, yeah, which is always fun to use. Yes,
0: yeah, and then Webview then is like a wx Python thing mm-hmm. or Q, yeah. Or so
1: the uh, the um, the UI framework we used was wx Python. Okay, and uh, one of their controls was a uh, web view. Yeah, which and is the only was, UI. Well, only UI, I guess. Once you once you get past the F- connect screen, right? So mm-hmm. on the connect screen, that's why they look so drastically different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much to Cody's dismay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've ima- I imagine someday he'll fix fix that up to his uh-huh. aesthetic. Uh uh-huh. But. So on that connect page, that is all WX Python controls. Yeah. And then on the, the main screen, that it's is all, all rendered. Rendered with uh, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. JavaScript. Everybody's favorite.
0: Yeah. Known as HTML5. <laughs> <laughs> the composite. <laughs> and then you have a, on that front, what do you use for helping with your JavaScript? You just
1: you just rolled it all yourself? Just mistakes were made. Uh, <laughs> when I initially started, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be a lot of JavaScript. It uh, never is at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's not worth it to bring in anything else and I'll just write the two or three little functions I need and call right. it a day. Right. Uh, Thousands I mean, of lines <laughs> later.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. gotcha. 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 You're using jQuery or something, yeah, at least, yeah, yeah,
1: I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I did help myself out a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and then also a bootstrap for the CSS styling. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's
0: sweet. We use that all over the place in OTS too,
1: yeah, yeah. That's just great,
0: yeah. It is great. They did a good job, they did a good job. It looks way better than anything I've ever like come up with on my own, yeah. I, so, I think that's a to me, somewhat the fascinating thing. I, I just think it's cool technology. I think it's just, mm. it's just a cool way to implement it, that it is really just all based on this web technology that's all embedded down into a very small
1: right. space. Right, and, <laughs> and what's so great, especially because it's web-based, is we can make UI changes on the pendant just by updating Spike, Spike Mark. Mark. There's no extra yeah, you don't have to nonsense update the, that has to happen on the pendant. You just download the new version of Spike Mark, and all of a sudden yeah, your pendant has all these extra functionalities. yeah. And we didn't
0: talk about this before the show, but it's worth mentioning. Like, so that was all kind of the spike mark side of it. But then you did all of the uh, development, client, uh, you know, the Pi side development too. Mm-hmm. We touch on the software side, but you had to do some hardware stuff as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the circuit, uh, the circuit board in there, and yeah. supporting the Pi and the uh, the battery, and the battery, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, because so, what? Why? Well, so, so tell, tell, talk a little bit about the battery. We'll does that?
1: Raspberry Pi is a computer, and as such, does not like to just be unplugged. Right.
0: Like Unlike the f- the kind of r- roll your own firmware, yeah. or well,
1: I guess not even embed, but just microcontroller, microcontroller based, right?
0: Without an OS, and yeah, you can just
1: unplug it, it doesn't care. Yep. The Raspberry Pi on the definitely other hand cares has opinions about that, <laughs> and they are not good. <laughs> and I think the first time I used a
0: Raspberry Pi in anger was for the ESPN clocks thing mm. which you mm-hmm. helped
1: on i mean that was early i think in your, i did so it was mo- a lot mostly done i just yeah. added some like q udp messages yeah <laughs> to it
0: yeah but that was like the first time i'd really like used one on an actual project project mm-hmm. and uh and i i was like i it, how, sure i mean i get it like yes of course it could corrupt the file system and I probably unplugged the thing three times, and by the third time, I had corrupted the file <laughs> system. I was like, oh, shoot, that is, yeah. you're not kidding. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you are very likely to render that thing bricked. Yeah. So
1: we really were trying to avoid that scenario. Right. But you know, nobody's gonna like <laughs> execute a shutdown procedure, right? There are those buttons in there, but uh, <laughs> nobody uses wishful them. We, thinking. We log that.
0: We have seen no instances of anyone ever shutting down a pad.
1: Yeah, if people <laughs> would just use it like I intended them to, <laughs> you're holding it wrong. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so to solve that problem, uh, there's a battery in there. So when the power gets pulled, it detects that. And properly shuts itself down. Yeah, and so and has enough juice to to do that. To, yeah, maintain. So the, the screen will procedure. immediately go off, but the Raspberry Pi inside is still on executing a proper shutdown. Yeah, and uh, and that works well now. Yeah, <laughs> did it not always? Uh, firmware version one of the pendant, <laughs> um, it would just shut it down all the time because it didn't know there was plugged in still. So at like five minutes in, it would turn itself off. It off. Yeah.
0: And the other thing that we've seen recently is that the in large group jogs, which is the most intensive JavaScript crap going on, right? Uh, yeah. It will um, overheat yeah. the pie and shut itself off. And so we've added in fans to some of the pendants that we know are being used in use cases with dozens of groups motors and
1: the weird thing is well not weird i guess but it's like eight axes or more in a group is where that cutoff is right well yeah one bite one (laughs) bite worth of axes (laughs) 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 yeah
0: and uh and then we're also i mean it it's a it's a little frankenstein at the moment the the aftermarket fan <laughs> mod that we've we've come up with to preserve that, but in the
1: works is a proper one. It looks a much one. better than the development for it we did. <laughs> <laughs> now it at least looks intentional. Yeah, that's true.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. But then the, one of the things that uh, Rada, who's coming back, mm-hmm. um, is probably... <gasps> that's good. Somebody
1: who can actually <laughs> manipulate that model. I, I didn't
0: want... I just want everyone to take note of the gasp that Christian just exhibited when he, when he was like, oh, good, that Rada can deal with that horror show of a of a 3D model that is the pendant case. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it works very well. I don't mean to shit on it like that. But yeah. whoa, don't don't try to just edit don't it. Don't try and change it. Don't change it. Don't ever change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not without... Yeah, you got to be inside Rada's brain to be able to make that work. Well, I'm not job sure that's security. True. <laughs> yeah, we had to hire him back. <laughs> you can't leave. We can't change this model. All right, uh, let's get let's go on. So right. we got. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're really done with that topic, but let's call it done. And then um, last thing was the ESPN ACCN, which I think Mike and I talked about briefly. But again, I wanted to do a more technical talk on it. Um, that was a cool project. It was a cool project. Yeah, right?
1: that was our first real. Uh, EtherCAT adventure.
0: Yeah. And And just to set the stage a little bit, that was, we had to make two, um, two identical units. Each Mm -hmm. had a trap door that would hinge open and then drive up a telescoping lift that carried a camera up Mm -hmm. for reasons that don't make a whole ton of sense and don't really matter. But that was the gig. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all you really need to know to talk about the rest of it. So, Mm -hmm.
1: So it was our first... So we had done a little work with Ethercat prior to that with yeah, um, Texas A and M Texas A and M control, yeah. yeah. But this was our first chance to actually do motion with it, right? Because Texas A and M was just switch closures and was we just right, just up down, yeah, stop, yeah. But this is this real. Time yeah. We got to use some servos, and um, the they were Beckhoff servos with the Beckhoff integrated terminal amplifiers. amplifiers. Yeah. So it just all slices on right to the your, uh, DIN rail in there, yeah. and uh, so it was our first uh, our first test with being able to do all
0: that, and um, which was really cool. I mean, the, that whole packaging is super slick. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Like just being able to clip on like what looks like a like a slightly large. DIN terminal block and have mm. it be a Amplified. servo amp.
1: And it's one cable connecting to the servo. Which is really sweet. It's yeah. orange. Which is also sweet. Yes. But so it has the brake and the power and the encoder, and it all just plugs into that one terminal, and yeah. it's just done. Yeah. And um, so.
0: And then we we had two axes per thing. Well, one, one was on a, driving mm-hmm. a screw to drive the... Uh, camera up and down and that one was basically self-locking and mm-hmm. it didn't have much uh, you know so it had no regen force on it because the camera didn't ever want to drop because the mechanically i designed it with a screw that was inefficient enough that it wouldn't back drive mm-hmm. versus <laughs> <laughs> on the trap doors
1: that was exciting because was, uh. like, so was this
0: crazy four bar linkage to mm-hmm. pop the or it wasn't the four bar linkage but it was a it was, it was a pin and slider linkage to open the uh, trap doors. And and as you like, so it it takes a whole bunch of forward torque to basically start to open the door, but once it passes 90 90 degrees, degrees. it starts to require a whole bunch of reverse torque to prevent it from just falling. Falling. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And so... Uh the thing we learned very quickly there was that the brake chopper is very important. <laughs> Which we did not have. <laughs> we did not have. Because at first, yeah,
0: well it didn't didn't I don't know, whatever. We just didn't think it through well enough. Like we were
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well the the lift is self locking and that trap door is just not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's just not that big it's of a deal. Just a little door. Just a little door. And you're like, well, it's actually a really little motor too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so like we did a first little test where we went up, you know like thirty degrees or whatever, and no problem, and it held there, and then we a little bit farther, like sixty degrees, and it held there, no problem. Then we tried to go full 180 and it got just past that ninety and <laughs> just dropped like a stone rock <laughs> <laughs> and uh destroyed the power supply, <laughs> yep, and uh which we had none of <laughs> other than that. Cause it destroyed
0: like, the only power
1: supply yeah mm. cuz it's it was not a not large a, power it's supply like a 48 amp 5 sorry 48 volt 5 amp yeah big drive or a big power supply yep um and so <laughs> destroyed that <laughs> and we're like and then Found out that they found make out a, a they, brake chopper and a little brake resistor to go with it, and you just again just just slap it on, the, slap the it right on, there, on the bus, yeah. and then it works perfectly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the other interesting thing I thought was so you had like the motion side of it where you had, mm-hmm. you were for the first time working with the off uh, Twin Gat. Notion yep. like mm-hmm. NC programs and everything, mm-hmm. which was cool. But the other half of this, which I thought was equally interesting, was that you had to develop an interface so that when this thing was connected to the network, mm-hmm. it would appear to be a robotic camera because they had a robotic camera kind of front end mm-hmm. for joy- joystick control of robotic cameras and they wanted to set up <clears throat> these the trap door and the elevator as, you know, the camera elevator as a as if they were robotic mm-hmm. camera ax- axes, yeah, and so, so they can control all from their one right control system, which was like from Vinton, right, mm-hmm. or Vintech or whatever. But I mean, They're Vinton's the, same the company. Yes, same
1: company. company. Yeah, it's the same company. They call their uh, their camera software Fusion, <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused
0: with the other Fusion that we use
1: all the time. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so, um. That was interesting, though, because that, I mean, it was interesting on a number of levels just to integrate with those people, but they wanted,
1: ESPN wanted it to behave that way, but this is not a known protocol. Right, this is a proprietary, they use it for their cameras and their camera software, and that's it. Right. And then ESPN twisted their arm enough where they're like, okay. Well, we can sign some NDAs and look at the protocol. And you can implement it for this one thing. But it's not well documented. Well, they have a lot of pages in their documentation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's better documented than our it's,
1: protocol. We have a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was some documentation, yes. Yeah. But it was still uh, quite so a, a p- lot of... Of just test- testing things to see what would work, and then again, and then this was a binary protocol, a binary protocol, and UDP,
0: um, or tcp uh, both. Okay.
1: <laughs> um. Well, so there, uh, without saying too much, there's a UDP component to it and a TCP/IP component of it. Okay. And you have to do both of them, or okay. neither of them work. Okay. Um. Okay.
0: And I guess where I'm really going with that is like, it, did this then? W- did you feel better prepared to tackle this after all of the prior
1: work yes, you've done earlier in the, the year with PSN, PSN and OSC? Right, just being able to already have the understanding of like how to packet that information, like what it's ultimately going to look like, and then also having some of that code already there. Right, was a made it way easier to start off than uh than starting than from, just starting from, from scratch.
0: scratch. Yeah. yeah. And then how did you, like you're not going to feed that right into the Bekoff
1: PLC, I don't imagine. Right. Um, So then, so that was just the first layer of just talking on the network to their camera system. And then the other aspect of it is then taking those commands and putting them into the TwinCAT PLC. And so to do that, we were using the ADS layer of the TwinCAT EtherCAT system. And so that was...
0: So you have like a do you have like a little server written in C sharp that's like a socket server yep. that's yep. listening okay
1: and then so that so on these uh, camera boxes there's a little program running that has the like you're saying the socket server listening for the camera commands and then it translates those into something that PLC can understand. And it uses the ADS protocol to communicate that to the... Kind of pass that boundary, yeah.
0: right? To get out of the non-real-time right. uh, runtime of Windows and down into the TwinCat runtime. Right.
1: Which was also... Had done a little bit of work on prior, yeah. but, but this was the first, like, okay, now it actually has to work all right. the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but pretty cool, because as we've been poking around with back off and TwinCat and... You know, Mm -hmm. we're still very skunkworksy about it, but as we're trying to see, like, how how could this possibly be a stagehand? We know that that's roughly the same architecture that we're going to need there, that Mm -hmm. we're going to need some C-sharp level um, Windows running socket layer, you know, socket server.
1: uh, Transition. Transition, yeah. Software.
0: Right, to listen to the spike mark protocol and then translate it down into TwinCat layer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that... Which was part of, I mean, part of the reason that we wanted to do that project to begin with. Right. right. It was like, this is so a great. Good
1: experience.
0: Yeah. And to kind of get our feet wet in that mode
1: of. of uh, An actual production piece of. Yeah. Software versus yeah. something I'm running at my desk. Right. <laughs> no, don't press that button. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think that works pretty well. I think you had like one service call down there to. to you know, For a, that yeah. for ACCN. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And cause it was like stall. Occasionally the socket server would stall or something.
1: Right. Right. And cause they, they just on for forever. So yeah. 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 They know which never turns off. <laughs> uh, we, uh like we had said previously, long running things tend to <laughs> develop, uh, <laughs> Uh uh-huh. some barnacles on the side. Yeah. So that yeah. was just a little tweak to get those to restart. Um, if they stop, responding. if they stop, automatically restart them. Yeah, yeah, kind of.
0: Yeah, kinda, yeah. I, I mean, I think at the time we were joking about Holly it was kind of like the 1990s uh, <laughs> web server. Techn- <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> like, hit this address. Did it stop? Yes. Restart. Reboot. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, we've been at this for a good amount of time, about an hour and fifteen minutes. So, um, you got anything else that you wanted to bring up?
1: I don't think so, yeah.
0: Awesome, man. This was a really good talk. Thank yeah. you so much for sitting down and, and digging into this.
1: Yeah, stuff. anytime.
0: Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, if you have any questions or comments or stuff you'd like us to talk about in the future, send us an uh, email at podcast at creativeconnors.com or poke us on social media, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And uh, we'll see you next time.